Hello and welcome to Season 6, Episode 17 of Twin Talk MN. I'm Ryan. And I'm Andrew. And today we have a great episode because, Andrew, we know who won the NBA Finals. Andrew, it was a great series, but we will break it all down in just one moment. Andrew, the MLB standings are getting crazy. So many teams just absolutely dominating right now. We have to get right into it as soon as possible. Andrew, the NBA draft is also this week, which we will have to break down and let you know all the inside knowledge that we have. Andrew, the NFL season is coming up in a couple of months. We will let you know what to look for in that season as well. Andrew, let's jump right into the NBA Finals. Andrew, the last time we left you, it was two wins to two with the Boston Celtics and the Golden State Warriors going to Game 5 in Golden State with the Warriors being able to take a 3-2 series lead. Andrew, in that game, it was crazy. The game started out. Steph Curry started struggling. The Celtics took the lead. Andrew, the game was crazy for the Warriors as Steph Curry had an awful game, going 0-for-9 on three-pointers, breaking a 233-game playoff streak without a game with not a single three-pointer, which was just unbelievable for the Warriors, where Steph Curry normally hits four to five three-pointers a game. Andrew, if you're hearing me say that Steph Curry didn't hit a single three, you'd probably say, oh, wow, Warriors probably shotgun offense. But Andrew, quite the contrary because of one man. Andrew Wiggins had the game of his life. He absolutely dominated the game and just was an unbelievable player and just led the team in points and rebounds, which is amazing. Uh, Draymond Green and Jordan Poole also had large contributions, and Kai Thompson also had a very solid game. Andrew, the Celtics all around just look sloppy. And again, Al, we've been talking about this entire series and every series for the Celtics. It's just turnovers, consistency, and just being sloppy. Do they have the better team? No. But do they have a chance to win every single game? Yes. And a lot of times, they just struggle and they kind of just throw it away. And that is exactly what happened in this game. The Warriors gave them a lot of shots to get back in the game or take leads or hold leads. But Celtics just could not capitalize and ended up losing this game by, I think, around 12 points or so. Andrew, going into game six, felt like the Celtics have their backs against the wall. They're facing elimination. All they have to do is just win this game, and then it's an even series. And if the Warriors win, series is over. The Celtics' season is over. Felt like the Celtics would do everything they can to win, and maybe they did, maybe they didn't. But when the game came forward, the Celtics opened up with a 10-point lead in the first quarter, and it felt like, yeah, the Celtics are doing everything they can to even the series. They are going to do it. But right after that, it went all downhill for the Celtics as the worst finished the half with a couple-point lead after just dominating the second quarter. And then in the third and fourth quarters, it was all Warriors as they just dominated. The Celtics struggled. Nobody on the Celtics had that good of a game. Jalen Brown was decent. Tatum struggled again. But it just felt like the Celtics were all out of sorts on offense, on defense, on turnovers, on the pick-and-roll game. It just felt like they just did not have anything going for them. And it just felt like... They were just completely overmatched in this series. And I mean, to be honest, the Warriors outmatched every single team this entire postseason. I mean, in the first round, they took a 3-0 series lead against Denver. In the second round against the Grizzlies, they ended up winning the last two games of this series, and it didn't even really seem that close. And then in the next round against the Mavericks, they also won the first three games of the series. They were against the Celtics. They also finished the last two—they won the last two games—or they actually won the last three games of the series— 
and they just absolutely dominated. It was not even close. Andrew, the Warriors are your NBA champions. Steph Curry is your finals MVP. That is right. The Golden State Warriors win their fourth title in eight years. Same for guys like Andre Iguodala, Steph Curry, Draymond Green, and Clay Thompson. Andrew, this is unbelievable. Golden State Warriors win the title after Clay Thompson comes back from two horrific knee injuries. Steph Curry comes back after the hand injury. Draymond Green with everything he's been going through. And Andre Iguodala, which he basically never played, but he was still technically on the roster. He was also there getting his fourth career finals victory. Andrew, this Warriors team, it would be anything, but Rude did not call them a dynasty. This team has been unbelievable. They've been in six finals in the last eight years, and they've won four finals in the last eight years. Andrew, this team is amazing. They are just an absolutely dominant team right now, and they are definitely at the top of the NBA. Andrew, let's talk about what this means for the Celtics. I mean, obviously, an amazing season to make it to the NBA Finals, but definitely tough for them just to go out like this. And again, the series was 4-2, but if you watch the games, it just really didn't feel that way. It wasn't that the Celtics' wins were nail-biters and the Warriors' wins were huge, but it just felt like when the Celtics won, everything was going right and everything was going wrong for the Warriors, and then... They still didn't really feel like they were that confident most of the game, and it felt like they are basically being handed all their wins. But, again, not to be mean, the Celtics still have a good team, and, again, they made it to the NBA Finals. It's nothing to be ashamed of, but definitely have a lot of work to do. Possibly have to add another piece. Possibly have to add another scorer, shooter, maybe. We'll have to see what they do in the offseason. But, Andrew, now that officially concludes the NBA season, which means we look to the end. NBA draft. Let's take a look at that. Andrew, with the NBA draft this Thursday, which could be very close when you're listening to this, Andrew, it will be unbelievable to see what happens. Andrew, when we look at the top of the NBA draft, we know that with the first pick this year, we have the Orlando Magic. Andrew, this team has been really, really struggling. They have a couple of decent guards, such as Cole Anthony, Jalen Suggs, and Markel Foles, so it seems kind of unlikely that they take a point guard. And at the center position, Wendell Carter Jr. is not the worst center in the league, but feels like they have a lot of holes. They also have decent forward Franz Wagner, who they drafted last year at, I believe, the eighth pick or so out of Michigan. Andrew, this year, looking at the Magic right here with the first overall pick, it's clear that they need a dominant play. There's a lot of solid players in this draft, but Andrew, which guy are you really looking to right now for this Magic roster when you're looking at what guys they need. I mean, there's guys like Jabari Smith, Chad Holmgren, Paolo Boncaro. But, Andrew, what guy are you looking at for this Magic at number one? I mean, Ryan, up until maybe three, four days ago, it was all about the big three. It was all about Jabari Smith, Paolo Boncaro, and Chad Holmgren and in what order they would go in the top three. Ryan, I had my own opinion about one of the guys was much better and one of the guys was the worst. And, Ryan, it seems like the teams agree with me now. Ryan, before people were saying, eh, Chet Holmgren's probably going to go number one, then then you have Jabari Smith, then Paolo Boncaro, but Ryan, now it looks like that Holmgren and Jabari have flip-flopped for that number one and two picks, which would mean that Jabari Smith would be the number one overall pick to the Orlando Magic, then Chet Holmgren at number two, and then Paolo Boncaro at number three. That being said, Ryan, when we look at this 
uh, Magic roster if we add on Jabari Smith. I mean, we are just adding on a great, great player to this team. I mean, what we have to look at is just how this team has done in the past. And in the past, I'd say since Dwight Howard left, which was way too long ago, they have not been good. Ron, it is very important to not miss with this pick. You have to take the right guy, and I feel like that has to be Javari Smith. He has a very high floor and also very high ceiling, but the floor is the important part with him. I personally think that in this entire draft, Home Green could be the overall best player just because when we look at seven-footers, we look at amazing players. You know, you see guys like Shaquille O'Neal and Yao Ming and... I don't know, Manu Bull and guys who are great, great players and very tall. Brian, then we look at guys like Taco Fall or a guy like Boban Marjanovic or Bruno Fernando who are big guys but don't really have that much talent. Brian, obviously you have to look at past experience. Brian, when you're in high school and let's say you're 6'8", that, that's the only thing you need. You don't need shooting. You don't need anything. If you are that tall at any age outside the NBA, that's amazing. Brian, you might be going from a top five tallest player in college to maybe middle of the pack in the NBA. To play in the NBA, you cannot have one skill. Even Stephen Curry, you might say, oh, well, he's only a shooter. No, you develop other skills to be the best player if you want to be a top overall pick. That being said, Ryan, number two pick, I definitely think that right here it's going to be Chet Holmgren. I mean, I feel like the Thunder would love to make a trio out of Shea Gillis-Alexander. Last year's fifth overall pick, Josh Giddy and Chet Holmgren. I feel like Boncaro, not that he would take over, but he usually plays kind of shooting guard, small forward, which is basically the only two positions that actually have filled on that team. I feel like Holmgren would be great by next to Alexei Pokoshevsky after they have been compared a lot, which is kind of bad for him. And then around number three, Ryan, at Houston having uh, taking Paolo Banquero. Ryan, we saw some news earlier this week where the Mavericks in a trade got Christian Wood from the Houston Rockets. Ryan, I love this trade for the Mavericks. Big signing. But that opens up a hole for the Rockets. And Ryan, I think they filled out with Paolo Banquero. And he's a great player. You know, he's a leader. And I feel like if you put him at the small forward and you have Kevin Porter Jr., Jalen Green, and Paolo Boncaro. Ryan, this year, that's not going to be good. Next year, that's probably not going to be good. Maybe not even the next year, Brian, and maybe four or five years, we could see a great trio there if all three of those guys pan out like we hope they will. Ryan, just highlighting some other picks. Ryan, we have Jane Ivey, who personally, I think, should go number five to the Pistons. And number four, the Kings already have De'Aaron Fox as their leader. And they also have Davion Mitchell as their shooting guard. So I don't think they want him. But I do feel like the Pistons, if you were putting Kate at the point guard and then you're putting Ivy at shooting guard, I love that rotation. Ryan, then a little bit farther down, we have the biggest the biggest surprise in the draft. We have Shaden Sharpay, the 6'5", 200-pound shooting guard out of Kentucky, who was just a freshman this year. Ryan, People, some people love this guy. Some people hate this guy. Ryan, with this guy's size, with his athleticism that we've seen, Ryan, tell me which team, maybe inside the top 10 or close to it, should be looking at this guy. Should say we have to make it our priority to go after this guy. And are saying we would maybe even trade up to go get this guy because we need him. Yeah, Andrew, I would say one team has to be the New York Knicks. I mean, they are a little bit far back at 11. I would possibly consider trading up for this guy. But I just feel like 
They should also consider trading up for a guy like Jaden Ivey. But just this team is so devoid of talent. I mean, you tell me one guy on that team that you're excited about their future. I mean, Obi Toppin has been a decent player, but I'm sorry, he's heading into what? His third NBA season, right? And yeah, he's been decent. And you look at a guy like RJ Barrett, who's heading into his fourth RJ, who's heading into his fourth NBA season. And I mean, when he came out as a number three overall pick, it felt like he should be amazing. But Andrew, he has just not lived up to that. I mean, he hasn't been an awful player. Like, he did average a very solid season last year, but it just felt like he's not really leading them to wins. I mean, his field goal percentage is decent, but he also is completely not able to shoot the three ball whatsoever. Julius Randle feels like a solid player, but he definitely does not feel like a reliable all-star caliber player, which he doesn't need to be. But this team, that besides R.J. Barrett and Julius Randle, I mean, I don't see a single guy on this team that isn't just there as a defensive presence, since it, such as guys like Derrick Rose and Mitchell Robinson and Nerlens Noel. I just feel like this team needs solid offensive players, and whether that comes from the guys you name, such as Shane Sharpe, or I name such as Jay Nivey, or maybe a guy like Tata Washington, it just feels like they need to start putting the pieces together for a rebuild and just to have not the worst team in basketball because they're pretty close right now. Andrew, just you were talking about Chad Holmgren before with the size. Andrew, I think this is fascinating because people always talk about with Chad Holmgren. He's got the size. I mean, you look at this guy. He is huge. Seven feet tall, 194 pounds. Huge guy. But you're saying to yourself, wait, 194? That's pretty big. But Andrew, when we look at the center averages from the years 2019 through 2014, Andrew, the average center height every single year is six foot 11. Now, I'm not saying Chad Holmgren will dominate and he won't be that much better than other people. But again, he is what? Half an inch on the average NBA center? Okay, so that's not much of an advantage. But let's look at the average weight. Mind you, Chad Holmgren weighs 194 pounds right now, which he will grow. He will grow, I promise you that. But it is unlikely he'd put on more than 20 pounds if it doesn't turn into fat. Andrew, right now, the average NBA center weighs over 250 pounds. That is right. The average NBA center weighs almost 60 pounds more than Chad Holmgren. Now, that is the knock on him. I mean, I'm not at all comparing them, but I mean, when you look at a guy like Shaquille O'Neal, the man weighed 324 pounds. I mean, I'd be better at defending Shaquille O'Neal than Chad Holmgren would. I mean, Chad Holmgren is a stick. Now, everyone says this guy, it doesn't matter what the size is because he's got the wingspan of a god and he's an amazing defensive player. I mean, Andrew, last year at Gonzaga, the man averaged 3.7 blocks per game, which wouldn't have led the NBA, but it definitely would have been at the top of the league for sure. Now, there's no way he'll continue that. It's obviously his minutes will be restricted and he'll be facing better players. But again, I mean... Is he a very solid offensive player? Yes. Can he shoot the ball? Yes. And Andrew, the reason why people like him is because of his mobility. As Andrew, you were alluding to before, you look at centers. You look at a lot of guys that are playing low minutes that aren't amazing at moving. You look at a guy like, I'm just naming some order centers here, guys like DeAndre Jordan or guys that are like Robert Williams, where they just really are not able to be that mobile. And it just feels like they cannot run up and down the floor that much 
and they just can't defend the more mobile centers. But Andrew, that is where they believe Chad Holmgren will dominate. But the reason why I can only name two of those guys is because that's not how the game is played. You look at so many of the best centers right now. You look at guys like Carnathy Towns, Joel Lambie, Nikola Jokic. These guys are playing almost the entire game, and they're sprinting for all of it. These guys are some of the most mobile centers we've ever seen, and every center is mobile. Every center now is trained to run up the court, to play 30 minutes a game if they're going to be a starter, and to do what Chad Holmgren is doing, which is just try to get a good ball handling. Andrew, what people love about Chad Hungry in our offense is that, sure, you can put him down low because he's seven feet tall. And sure, you can put him out on the perimeter. You can also get him at the mid-range. You can get him in the passing game. You can get him in the pick and roll. Andrew, they love this guy and what he gives to offenses. And the reason why they love him is, as we said before, he's a huge guy who can do what anyone can do. And that's why they love him. But as I said before, He's just too thin right now. 194 pounds is not going to cut it if he has to guard a guy like Joel Embiid or if he has to guard a guy like that. Now, I'm not saying anyone can guard Joel Embiid, but normally it's because of his talent, not just because he's going to back you down and then dunk on your head. That's what I'm worried about with Chad Holmgren. On the other hand, we've seen a lot of guys like this before. One example is Kristaps Porzingis. This guy was an all-star and at the top of the league a couple years ago, and he is almost an identical build to Chad Holmgren. I mean, the guy, I don't think he weighs as little as Chad Holmgren does, but I mean, he's a very tall player. He's a seven-footer that can shoot extremely well and is able to be one of the most solid players in the league. Again, Christoph Porzingis is seven foot three and weighs 240 pounds. Now, that's the difference. Same with the guy like Boban Marjanovic. He weighs, or he's um, seven feet, four inches, but he also weighs 200 over he also weighs 291 pounds. That's the thing with a guy like Sean Homer. If he can shoot, he'll be a solid offensive play. But just one example that I don't really want to bring up right now is Conathy Towns. I mean, he's a very solid offensive player. He can shoot. He can pass. He can dribble. He's more mobile than every century faces. But again, on the defensive side of the ball. Now, yes, Cat isn't 7 feet tall, but I believe he's 6'10 or 6'11. It just feels like if you make Cat lose 50 pounds of muscle, there's no way he's that brute of a force. If you go Chad Hungry in the ball on the block, he's not going to have any positioning. And he's going to have to be the best shooter in the NBA if he wants to be able to hit shots if he doesn't have the strength. Andrew, there are many even smaller guys that weigh much, much more than Chad Hungry. Now, again, I know I'm kind of riding on his weight. And again, I'm sure he'll add a lot of weight in the NBA, whether just growing-wise or also just eating more and getting on a better workout plan with actual NBA trainers. But Andrew, it just feels like right now, Chad Holmgren has a lot of work to do to improve. And just to continue on the NBA draft, Andrew, when you look at the top guys of the draft, as we talked about before, all three of them are forwards and centers. I mean, Paolo Banquero is the shortest guy at the top, and he's, what, 6'8"? I mean, he is going to be a great player, as are all these guys. But Andrew, looking past the top three, it starts to get a little interesting. As we slightly talked about just a couple minutes ago, you see the Kings and then the Pistons. And when you look at this Kings team, I mean, it seems like they're pretty set at guard. So in my opinion, it seems pretty likely that they would fill that hole at four that they lost with losing Marvin Bagley to the Pistons. And I believe that they'll fill that with Keegan Murray, forward out of Iowa. Unbe- just an unbelievable scorer, great player. I think he's going to be a great addition to them and to the NBA. Andrew, when you look next pick at number 
um, six over, number five overall with the Pistons. I definitely think that if Keegan Murray is open, I definitely think they'll grab him just so that they can trade uh, Jeremy Grant just because, or because he has been a decent player for them, but it seems like they really, really want to trade him, and it seems like he definitely has a lot of trade value. Andrew, after that with the Pacers, for them, I think this is going to be another pick. I would guess that they wouldn't take a guard, and I guess that they'd go with a larger man, possibly trade back for Mark Williams, or possibly just draft him there. But I also wouldn't be surprised if they just grabbed a decent, solid guard. Andrew, when we look a little bit into the deeper rounds, Andrew, when we look at the back picks, some interesting guys that I see going around here is Nikola Jovic, forward out of Serbia. This guy is 6'11". He said to have a great shot, very solid size. But Andrew, just to talk about a little bit about that size that we've seen with Chet Holmgren. I mean, Chet Holmgren is a power forward slash center weighing in 195 pounds. The other centers in this draft are even power forwards. Mark Williams weighs 240 pounds, center out of Duke. Jeremy Sochan, power forward out of Baylor, weighs 230 pounds. Jalen Duran, power forward slash center out of Memphis, weighs 250 pounds. Other centers include Walker Kessler out of Auburn, weighing 255 pounds. That guy weighs 60 pounds more. And again, as we talked about before, will Chad Holmgren grow? Definitely. No question he'll be that for his whole career. Otherwise, I guarantee he'll be a bust. But it just feels like at this current size, he's going to be bullied on defense. Will he get some blocks? Yeah, especially on smaller guards that are bringing the ball to him, trying to test him. Yeah, he will definitely get some guards or blocks, no question. But against the big bruising guys, I mean, there are very few centers in the league right now that I think he could guard or even consider guarding or even most backup centers. I don't think he really has any chance to guard just because he's too weak. I mean, you look up some of the backup centers in the NBA. I mean, these guys are still weighing much more. And again, I know he's going to grow, but so are they. And with that growing, he's probably going to slow down a little bit and lose some stamina as well. And I just don't really think that he's going to be able to keep that size up. Andrew, when you look at some of the guys in the NBA, you just feel like they're just superior to these draft picks. But Andrew, what is one draft pick that you think this rookie season is going to have that instant impact? Things we saw from guys like LaMelo Ball, Anthony Edwards from this past season, Scotty Barnes, Evan Mobley, just guys that are actually going to be solid NBA players. Andrew, out of this draft board, which guy do you think is going to make the most instant impact quickly? I mean, Ryan, you got to just look at the top. You got to just look at Jabari Smith. I mean, this guy was just unstoppable on cock. I mean, it just felt like after maybe his first three games where he got settled in to his new system, Ryan, this guy was just unstoppable. I mean, I felt like I cannot go maybe 12 hours without hearing about this guy, Jabari Smith, and how dominant a player he is. Ryan, 6'10", 220, a power forward who can defend in the paint, can also be a dominant offensive player, is a great three-point shooter, has a good shot, and is a great Great defender, Ryan. Personally, I feel like this guy has to be the best player. And at this point, has to be my pick to win rookie of the year. I mean, we'll have to see what happens. We'll have to see if he actually goes number one. But I just feel like he is the guy that I'm most excited about. The guy who I think will make the most biggest impact in the NBA. Ryan, another guy who personally, I just loved what he was doing late into the season was Jane Ivey. I mean, we saw that him with Purdue. I mean, in the tournament in the last couple games, kind of didn't have his best games. But Ryan, towards the end of the season where Purdue really needs some clutch wins, he was amazing. Ryan, I don't know how good this guy's going to be. But Ryan, I would love to see this guy going to the Sacramento Kings. I've seen a lot of people who said it wouldn't work. But Ryan, I feel like if they could get Fox and Ivey, who in my opinion are similar players, 
playing side-by-side -side point guard and shooting guard, Ryan, I feel like that is a great recipe for success for the Kings, who are longing for any hope of being good since basically Chris Webber was on the team. Ryan, that is another guy. Ryan, let's look at some second-round picks. Just, Ryan, looking at a mock draft right now, tell me if anyone stands out. Ryan, to me, a guy at the mock draft that I'm looking on right now at NBADraft.net. There are two guys that, personally, I think maybe should have been first-round picks. Ryan, EJ Liddell has fallen to the 31st, 31st pick in this mock draft. Ryan, I've seen a lot of drafts where he is going top 20, even even top 15. I would be shocked if he falls this far. He is a great, great talent. Ryan, the second guy that I noticed that has fallen this far is Wendell Moore, who is the brother of one... Runell, who was the who was the shooting guard slash small forward out of Duke, who was a junior. Ryan, this guy was very very good for the Blue Devils this year, and I'd be very surprised if he follows this far. I think any team would be very very lucky to take a chance on this guy. Ryan, tell me, maybe a guy outside the top three, so not your least favorite player, Chad Holmgren, who you think it would be a big mistake for a team to draft. You think you should be looking, if this guy's the best player available, trade back. Do not take a chance on this guy. He is not the best player available. You just think, do not go near this guy. And just maybe give me one reason why you think, whether it's college or hopefully not wait again, but maybe college stats or how you think they're going to do in the NBA that you would just steer clear of in this draft. Yeah, Andrew, I mean, it's really interesting, but I mean, one thing that we just have to look at is how the G League guys have turned out. I mean, for those fans who don't know, what's interesting a lot a lot about NBA right now is when you look at how guys come to the NBA, because it used to just be you go to college or you just go straight from high school to the NBA. But now there's no more coming from high school straight to the NBA with the new one and done rule. But now a lot of guys are going through the G League where they play in the G League for which is below the NBA, kind of like their minor league system, for whatever time, and then you're able to enter the NBA draft and then join an actual NBA team. Now, it's interesting because this is kind of new to fans, but Andrew, let's just remember last year, we had guys like Jalen Green and Jonathan Kaminga who were in the G League and ended up being solid NBA players right now as they seem like solid future players. Andrew, we'll have to continue to see what happens here, but I'm just not extremely sold on it just because it feels like they just aren't playing with as different of high of competition. Andrew, one guy that I don't love drafting is Dyson Daniels, 6'7 forward, also weighs 195 pounds. I mean, he seems like a very solid player, and I think he could be a decent role player off the bench. I mean, just nothing jumps out at me. I mean, average shooter, average defender, but I mean, he's supposed to be a solid defender, so I mean, I guess that's where he's going to make his money, but I mean, it's just the problem with today's game. I mean, you don't see many guys like Grant Hill for just the job that he did, I mean, just actual 3 and D players, not just a three player. But I think, well, he shouldn't be a huge bust. I mean, personally, I wouldn't pick him super high in the top 10. But if he goes around 10 or so, it wouldn't be a terrible pick. Andrew, let's move on from this. Let's move on to the MLB. Andrew, this week in Major League Baseball was crazy. Andrew, one of the hottest teams right now, even though over the last couple of days, they haven't been the hottest. But... For the last two weeks or so, they've been unstoppable. Andrew, that team is obviously the Atlanta Braves. Andrew, this team has been on a tear recently. As we talked about, I believe, one or two weeks ago, they've had a decent season. But after the World Series win, and we knew that they would struggle without Freddie Freeman, we thought this season was just going down the toilet hole. But Andrew, right now, it is looking unbelievable. As right now, they are 8-2 and two in their last 10 games. And I think in their last 20 games or so, they've only lost three or four. They have just been unbelievable. They went on a 
15-game winning streak, even though they have lost two out of their last three, but still unbelievable playing right now. Currently set eight games above 500, only six and a half games out of first place with the Mets. This team just looks unbelievable right now, and I think it just comes down to the pitching has been there, and just Ryan Acuna Jr., Dansby Swanson, and Marcel Zuna just all playing great. Andrew, another team that right now is extremely hot that we can see right now has to be the San Francisco Giants. Andrew, last year was interesting as they won this division, and it seemed like they were just going to take everything in the playoffs, and they were in a complete new dynasty, but Andrew... They started the season fairly poorly. Last week we saw them, or about two weeks ago, we saw them just a couple games over 500. But right now, Andrew, they currently sit 10 games above 500 and only three games behind the Dodgers out of first place and only two and a half games behind the Padres for second place. Andrew, right now, I love the way this pod, this Giants team is playing eight and two in their last 10 games. Just unbelievable right now, I think. Again, this team, really, the pitching has really been there. I mean, Logan Webb, just been an absolutely phenomenal player. I love the way this team has been playing right now. Andrew, looking over at the American League, again, the Yankees continue to dominate 9-1 and one in the last 10 games. But Andrew, the Cleveland Guardians have also been climbing 8-2, and two, only two games behind the first place Twins, who are 6-4 and four in the last 10 games. But these teams do have a three-game series in Minnesota this week, so we'll have to continue to see how that race unfolds. And looking also at the ALH right now, the Yankees are just running away with it. I mean, the Blue Jays and Rays are decent teams, but both teams sit about seven or eight games above 500, which, as we said before, the Yankees are on track for the best, for the second best record of all time. So they currently sit 12 games ahead of the Blue Jays, even though they are nine games above 500. Andrew, looking over at the AL West right now, the Astros sit a very solid nine games above 500 or nine games above the Rangers, and the Astros are 15 games above 500, which makes the Rangers three games below 500. Andrew, right now, this division seems like the Astros basically have it wrapped up. Andrew, looking at some of the more solid players in the league, I mean, Aaron Judge just continues to amaze. I mean, I know I sound like a broken record talking about Aaron Judge every single week, but I mean, just unbelievable the things this guy is doing. I mean, the home runs he's putting up, he is being in tons of conversations with Babe Ruth and Mickey Mantle and Lou Gehrig for breaking Yankees home run, RBI, runs, batting average, slugging percentage, OPS, on-base percentage records. I mean, this guy is just dominating. If that doesn't say MVP, I don't even know what does. And do you think that Aaron Judge currently is the American League MVP? I mean, Ryan, I'm not going to try to sound like the guy who predicted it all, but Ryan, for the last three, four years after Aaron Judge had that amazing rookie season where him and P. Alonso battled and battled and battled for the rookie of the year. Or, sorry, I meant Cody Ballinger. Ryan, I said Aaron Judge could go down as a top 100 player of all time. I said this is one of the best baseball players I've ever seen. If he can stay healthy. When Aaron Judge is healthy, he is, in my opinion, the top baseball player in our game. Now, you can argue that it's Acuna. You can argue that it's Trout or DeGrom or Cole or anyone else. But in my opinion, when every single player is healthy and playing the full potential, he is the best player. Ryan, let's look at the last two seasons. Now, last year, I believe in the first 20 games, he hit, I think, like 11 home runs. Ryan, that would put him on pace to hit like 90 home runs in the season. Ryan, after those 20 games, he got injured and played about 
15 games the rest of the season, and those were like seven of the last, and then about two weeks before, he also got a couple games. Ryan, on that pace, he would have crushed this year. He would have crushed the all-time leader, not taking serious. Ryan, let's look at two years ago, where we had that short season. Ryan, again, in the first 20 games, he was mashing just insane numbers. Then he got injured. Ryan, on a pace he was going in a 482-game season, he would have also broken records. Now, obviously it's true that guys, like let's just say Byron Buxton, I think he hit six home runs in his first 10 games. Now, obviously he's not going to do that for the rest of the season. But Ryan, with a guy like Aaron Judge, he could do that. Especially this season. When he is healthy, we know that he can do that. He can break records. He can be the insane hitter that we know that he can be. Ryan, he is just unstoppable. And I feel like if he can go the rest of the season healthy, he is definitely the MVP. He is the best player. No doubt about it. Unanimous votes, in my opinion. But we'll have to see what happens. Because, Ryan, you know, injuries are the name of the game. You know, in every single sport, in every single game, it always comes down to who is healthier, who is less injured. And then if he stays healthy, as I said, you know what could happen. But if he gets injured, we'll see how they do. And, you know, every single year, the Yankees get off to a hot start, first place in the division. Then, you know, they kind of crackle. Then they get into the playoffs, first or second seed. And then they kind of blow it with some injuries, and they usually lose to the Astros or whatever. But we'll see what happens. Hopefully, the Yankees do not do well this year. Ryan? Something else we just have to look around at the MLB. Ryan, one team that I just keep on hearing about. Ryan is the Dodgers. Ryan, obviously going into the season, we were so, so excited about the Dodgers. And we were saying, this team is so good. And obviously, we know the last couple of seasons, we had so high expectations. Ryan, the Dodgers are a very good team. But Ryan, right now, they're 40-24, and 24, winning 62.5% of their games. Ryan... If we, they're not even the best team in the National League. I mean, we look at the Mets, who are 44 and 23, winning almost 66% of their games. Ryan, I'm not going to say this is a disappointment for the Dodgers because, you know, first place in the division, second place in your league, that's amazing. But, Ryan, we just keep on talking about it. When you have guys like Cody Bellinger and Frey Turner and Mookie Betts and Freddie Freeman and Walker Bueller and Clayton Kershaw, Ryan, I feel like I'm naming a fantasy baseball team. I mean, this is literally like the best players in the league around this team. Freddie Freeman, Mookie Betts, Cody Ballinger, and Trey Turner. Ryan, that's not even their whole roster. They have so many other great players. I'm just naming the guys that are coming to mind. Ryan, that is literally the four top 10 baseball players in the league. How are you not the best team in the league? I mean, not that the Yankees have a horrible team on paper, but when you really, really think about it, I mean, they have Judge, they have Cole. I mean, I guess Nestor Cortez is pitching really well. But Ryan, they should be, I'd say, maybe third or fourth. The Dodgers have the super team. They literally bought the league, and they still can't be the best team in the league. I would just say I'd be very disappointed, and I feel like what's going to happen when someone realizes you don't have enough money? What's going to happen when someone realizes they need more and more? Ryan, probably next thing I know, Aaron Judge is going to be on the Dodgers. But we'll have to see what happens. Hopefully both those teams keep losing. Because I love to see those underdogs come up and surprise all of us. Ryan, let's move on to some NFL. Ryan, we talk a lot about the best teams or big storylines. But Ryan, one of the biggest storylines 
It's just who's going to have the best season. I mean, I feel like there's two obvious answers, and it has to be Patrick Mahomes and Aaron Rodgers. I mean, Mahomes was just unstoppable for two seasons. We know, obviously, he had the MVP, and he had the Super Bowl. And Ryan, we have Rodgers, who has two straight MVPs. But Ryan, one person that people really want to keep throwing in the conversation, saying, watch out for this guy. This is his season. This is his time. He is going to surprise everyone. Ryan is Josh Allen. I don't know what it was, but he has just been amazing these last couple of seasons, especially with the help of Quiet Rob Series, Stefan Diggs. They have just been a phenomenal team going to playoff after playoff after playoff. I cannot wait for this season. Brian, are we going a little bit too high on the Josh Allen hype? I mean, I like him as much as the next guy, but I don't really know how good he, he's going to be. You think he could be on the level as those two other guys for MVP or not? Yeah, Andrew, I mean, as you talked about before, he definitely has the upside to be on that level. I mean, you look at what's happening. You look at a guy who can, who has a giant arm, who can chuck the ball downfield, pinpoint accuracy, can use his legs. That's Josh Young, that's Patrick Mahomes. Only two guys in, er, in possibly Justin Herbert in a couple years. Those are the only three guys, in my opinion, that can do that really at this time. And that is why those three guys are basically the only guys in the MVP conversation at the moment. I definitely think Josh Allen can, because when you also talk about what's around him, I mean, if Stephon Diggs has an unbelievable season with 125 catches for, what, 1,400 yards or so and maybe 12 touchdowns, would not shock me. They'd both be in the MVP conversation. Also as well, I mean, you hate to see it as well for winning purposes, but the Bills have an awful run game, terrible offensive line, which should produce for tons of passing. I mean, you'll get Derek Prescott four years ago. He had a decent season. Um, like percentage-wise, with completion percentage-wise and touchdown-to-interception ratio. But he was top of the league in touchdowns, passing yards, completions, just because they passed the ball 50 times a game. It was unbelievable how much they passed. And I think the Bills might do the same thing again, which, again, Dak was in the MVP conversation then and also would not be surprised off Josh if Josh Allen is in the MVP conversation again. Andrew, let's move on to our Minnesota Timberwolves. Andrew, not really made any trades right now, but... Let's look at them with the NBA draft. Andrew, the Minnesota Timberwolves currently hold the number 19 overall pick. And Andrew, right now, I'm just shocked because it feels like in every single mock draft I look at, they have us taking a guard, whether it's a shooting guard or maybe even a small forward. But Andrew, I mean, right now in this mock draft that we're looking at right now, they have us taking, I don't even know what his name is, Usman Diang, who's 6 feet 9, 185 pounds, who's a shooting guard slash small forward out of France. Now, I'm not saying this is terrible. I mean, yeah, I want a big guy, but it just feels like we don't really need a guy who plays the same position as our better players. I mean, unless they're going to go on the bench, but it feels like if we're looking for a bench guy, then let's get one to back up a position where our backups are important. Like, at that shooting guard small forward position, I mean, Anthony Edwards, definitely going to be the starter there. Jane McDaniels can definitely play there. We have guys like Jalen Noel, Malik Beasley also playing there. We also have guys like Josh Okogie also playing there. It feels like that's one of our deepest spots. Why don't we go to at center where Conte Towns can't play much of the game because he's in foul trouble and we have no one behind him, so he has to play when he's in foul trouble and then he gets out of the game. Don't get me wrong, Nas Reed is a solid player. It feels like A, he can't play very long, and B, rebound. I mean, I know we've talked about it a thousand times, but against the Grizzlies, we were out-rebounded terribly. Our defense was terrible at the big man position. And Garland Towns struggles defensively because he can't get into foul trouble. And you might say, well, why doesn't every center get into foul trouble? Because they're better at not committing fouls on offense because more centers 
use their brain more and know when they're being too aggressive. But Conathy Towns is just badgering for fouls the entire time. And then it makes him get fouls because he can't keep his mouth in control because he starts yelling at refs and then they start making calls against him, not for him. Sorry to go on that tangent, but it just feels like the Timberwolves really need a big guy. Andrew, the only problem is that if you're looking at a true center, there are two true centers that are projected to go inside the top 34 picks. And neither of them seem really that close to us. Mark Williams, it would be the biggest miracle in NBA draft history if he fell to us. As right now, he's projected at 12, and I've also seen him in the top 10. I wouldn't be terribly sad to trade up because, again, 7 foot 1, 240 pound senior or sophomore coming out of Duke. I mean, the Dukes oft are almost always amazing role players. I mean, don't get me wrong, you have your occasional superstars like Jason Tatum, kind of. But I mean, and Kyrie Irving, also a superstar. But I mean, just so many amazing guys. If we can get a guy, whatever, the way J.J. Redick was for his team, or R.J. Verdes for his team, or Cam Reddish, just gracing out, just guys like that. Mike Krzyzewski Mike trains him so well to go in the NBA, they're all immediately ready. Andrew, there are a lot of good players on there, and the center after that that I was referring to is Walker Kessler, who's projected to go seven picks behind us. Again, huge guy, seven foot one, 255-pound center, sophomore out of Auburn. I feel like he is just an incredible player, too. But again, maybe I'd be okay with trading back. Wouldn't be terrible if we draft him maybe five picks ahead. I wouldn't hate it. But again, if we could just get a rim protector on defense, rebounds the ball, good shot blocker, and just able to really be a good complement to Shaq to Carnathy Downs, but also be there when he's off the floor. Personally, we'll see what has to happen. But Andrew, I'm very excited to see this Minnesota Timberwolves draft. Andrew, in the second round, they have us taking another center. Again, we just need to get big guys. We need to fill those guys, and hopefully we can get guys that end up playing well for us. And we'll have to see what happens. Very excited to look at what happens with the Minnesota Timberwolves draft. Andrew, but let's move on to our Minnesota Twins. Andrew, they have been doing solid over the last couple weeks, as I believe they are 6-4 and four, yep, in their last 10 games, currently sitting at 56% of wins. Nine games above 500, but as we said before, currently only two games ahead of the Cleveland Guardians for first place in the division, but we have a series with them this week. Andrew, we are currently finishing up our series with the Arizona Diamondbacks, where in our first game, we lost terribly. In our second game, we dominated with a huge 11-1 to win last night. Andrew, amazing win for the Twins. We have got to continue, but I mean, it just feels like that consistency is really waning. I mean, this is what they say with the dog days of summer. I mean, the injuries add up. It feels like so few guys end up getting on a hot streak just because of how many games and how much this is going on their body. But again, if I'm Rocco Baldelli, I'd say we just got to keep giving guys off days, got to keep switching them out, got to make sure when guys are playing, they're hungry, they're doing whatever they can to win, because it feels like when you play the same lineup for, what, three months straight in this heat, I mean, it really gets tough for them. But, I mean, we got to keep winning. Every other team is feeling it. Our pitchers got to keep doing well. Joe Ryan hasn't pitched amazing recently, but again, he's been doing well. Sonny Gray, Dylan Bundy doing the best they can, playing fine recently. Critch Archer. Very happy with what he's been doing. Really keeping us in a lot of games, which is all you can really ask for out of a veteran starting pitcher. Andrew, moving on from the Minnesota Twins, let us get to our Minnesota Lynx right now. Andrew, they continue to play decently, but again, not really having that great of a season. Feels like just every week things get a little bit worse, and 
Just it feels like their team is just in a kind of a rebuild right now and just not really going that well. Andrew, when we look at the Minnesota Lynx team right now, um, their, Ross, their record is just not great right now. Is They currently sit at many, many losses as the record is just not showing the team they are right now. And as we see, I mean, just at the bottom of their conference right now, kind of take a miracle for them to be better. But again, we have a lot of young talent in Sylvia Fowles, and hopefully we can improve in the future years so that we're able to continue to in our rebuild. Andrew, let's move on from the Minnesota Lynx to the birthday of the day. Andrew, whose birthday is it today? Ryan, just want to say quickly, Ryan, on the Lynx, I mean, obviously super disappointed with how this season's gone, but Ryan, Nafazi's Collier hopefully is back next year. Cannot wait for her to come back. She is having her baby this year. Said that she hopes to be back next year, but Ryan, or later this year, but I do not think that may be possible. Ryan, right now we're 3-12, and winning 200% of our games. Basically the worst team in the league. But, I mean, when we got our best player in Sylvia Fowles injured, just trying to get the last, last legs out of her, and then hopefully turn the team over to Nafazi's co-layer, and hopefully Caleb McBride can also be good for us. But, Ryan, let's move on to the birthday of the day, which is Dirk Nowitzki. Ryan, Dirk Nowitzki was one of the greatest NBA players of all time, played from the Mavericks for his entire career. Ryan, even when a guy plays for his, uh, plays for one team for his entire career, like him, Kobe, or Magic Johnson, or whatever, you know, the owner is always a little worried he might leave. You know, maybe for more money or for a championship, or especially if they're not getting too much help. And Ryan, that is just the best best duo when you have the owner like Mark Cuban, who's one of the richest guys in the world, and Dirk Nowitzki who's a really, really good basketball player who we really need to win. So, Ryan, every single time there would be a talk about contracts or any single time there would be, oh, you know, Dirk, I'm a little disappointed with the team. Mark Cuban, you know, he'd buy him the nice clothes. He'd take him to the nice dinner. So, Ryan, finally, after 2011, when the Mavericks finally won their first championship with Dirk Nowitzki, someone asked Dirk Nowitzki, hey, so do you think now uh, Mark's going to stop giving you all the free clothes and free meals and to make you want to stay. And he said, well, I don't really care. He said, I just love being here and I just love this city. And man, that is just amazing for Dirk Nowitzki. You know, he never wanted to leave. He never had second thoughts about, you know, maybe I should build a super team. Maybe I should team up with one of my friends. No, Ryan, he was true to Dallas. He was true to that city. And he finally got them a ring and he was so happy he did. Happy birthday, Dirk Nowitzki. Hope retirement is treating you well and you can do whatever you want. Ryan, that basically concludes our podcast. But Ryan, with the NBA Finals, the Warriors are your 2022 NBA Championships. Congratulations to the Celtics for a great season, but you came up just short. Ryan, the NBA Draft is this Thursday. Ryan, we are so excited. Who will be number one? Will it be... Will it be Holmgren? Will it be Paolo? We will have to see. We'll have to see with the Timberwolves pick. We obviously know that we're not picking super high. It doesn't super matter. But still, we'll see if we get Ryan's rim protector. We'll see if Holmgren is too light. Ryan, we also have something else that we would like to say about our podcast. Yeah, Andrew, it has been an amazing time recording our podcast. But with Andrew and me getting older, we have decided that we are deciding that this is going to be the last season of Twin Talk Command. This is not the last episode, 
but we are going to have two more episodes after this. It has been an amazing time making this podcast, and we have loved it, and we really deeply want to thank every single person that has ever listened to our podcast once or ever, and we really appreciate it, but we just feel like we're getting a little bit too busy, and we love covering sports, but we might want to do it in a different way. Thank you to everyone who's listening to this, and again, we will be back next week on Twin Talk MN. Welcome to Season 6, Episode 18 of Twin, Twin Talk, Talk MN. MN. I'm Ryan. I'm Andrew. And today we have a great episode because, Andrew, for our second last episode ever, we have so much to get to. Andrew, we know the NBA Finals ended a couple weeks ago, but that means the NBA Draft happened this week. So much to unpack. So dozens of surprises. So much to get into. Andrew, cannot wait to look at it. Andrew, in the NFL, continuing just to look at this offseason, just seeing what's happening. Andrew, in the MLB right now, as we near the All-Star break, as the All-Star voting starts, we'll look at some of our guys that we just feel are incredible players and also some really great teams. Andrew, we'll also look at the Twins and the Lynx and how they've been doing this season. Andrew, jump right in to our NBA draft. Andrew, the NBA draft was crazy. As we said last week, we were pretty sure that the first pick would be Jabari Smith, and then it would be Chet Holmgren, and then it would be Paolo Boncaro. But, Andrew, we were all wrong. Andrew, when we look at the top pick, the number one pick shocked us with Paolo Boncaro. Forward out of Duke was the number one overall pick, which was a shock. He was projected very high in this draft, probably around number three or so, but going number one to the Magic. Andrew, what are your thoughts on this choice? I mean, we know Jabari Smith might not be the greatest scorer in the draft, and Boncaro might be a little bit more polished, but Andrew, I mean, just felt like Smith just had to be the better player here. How can they really have drafted Paolo Boncaro with the choice of every single one in this draft? I mean, don't get me wrong, he's an amazing player, just feels like there are better guys. Andrew, do you think the Magic made the right choice? Why or why not? I mean, Ryan, you can see it both ways. I mean, in my opinion, if you're looking for a leader, probably Bon Carroll was the guy who were, if they're saying we have enough around us, we have enough other good talents, all we need is just another good big man, then yeah, then Jabari Smith definitely was the best pick. But, Ryan, if you think about the fact that they're not really that good of a team, they really do not have that many quality guys. I mean, yes, they have Cole Anthony and Markel Foles and Jalen Suggs and Franz Rodner. But, Ryan, when you really think about it, they need a scorer. They need a leader. It doesn't really matter if they're getting a solid power forward that is immediately going to become a top 10 in his position. Ryan, they need a guy who's going to be able to score the basketball, who's going to carry the load on offense and defense. And, Ryan, I guess that was probably Paolo Boncaro. Now, I still think that Jabari Smith will be better in more of a different role than Boncaro, but I guess if you're really talking about the magic, that is more of what they need. Ryan, we were correct on two and three. We said Chet Holmgren is going to go at number two to the Thunder. Not a huge surprise there. Great big man. We'll see if he can add some pounds as we don't know if he can, but he definitely seems like he will be a great NBA player. And number three, Ryan, we thought that would definitely be Boncaro. But now that Smith wasn't picked at number one, he fell to number three for the Rockets. Ryan, this is got to be disappointing. But Ryan, 
That leads me into our next quick segment, Ryan. Tell me some of your favorite teams in this draft, some teams that you think knocked out of the park. Even if they only had one pick, they hit a home run with that one pick. Whether Even if it was the first overall pick and you think they selected the right guy, or you think even if it was a 30th pick and they selected a guy that should have been closer into the first round, Ryan, tell me some teams that you think definitely had a great draft night. Yeah, Andrew, I think one team just has to be the Charlotte Hornets. I mean, I really like what they did in the first round and just grabbing Mark Williams. I mean, this team, obviously, with led by amazing guard LaMelo Ball, I mean, it just feels like they need just need to continue to um, continue to add more big men, and I feel like this was just a great pick. Didn't end up t- drafting anyone else because they made some really great um, trades, which helped them grab that pick and also for future years grab some other picks. So I definitely really like that pick. Andrew? Other than that, I mean, I wouldn't really say I really like what any other teams did, but I mean, the Thunder definitely, as we know, for the next almost decade or so, added a lot of young talent. As we know, obviously, their home run pick, Chet Holmgren, again, even at his worst, he would still be a very solid backup center at his worst, just being that seven feet tall and I believe about seven, six wingspan. Just absolutely, just unbelievable. Andrew and Durant at the first round, they also grabbed Jalen Williams, and they also grabbed Jalen Williams. Nope, I'm not having memory problems. They grabbed two different guys named Jalen Williams. Pretty weird. Whatever, doesn't really matter. One of them's a power forward. One of them is a center. Should also help them with some bench depth, but shouldn't, should be pretty interesting just to see what they end up doing with that. Andrew. This draft was really interesting, but Andrew, what is one guy that was taken outside of the top 10 that you think, and maybe not inside the top 15 or so, that you think should have been inside the top 10 that you just think was a steal, and you just love where he went, that was, yeah, around a little outside the top 15 or so, that you think really had a chance to go inside the top 10, that you think people really should have been looking at a little bit earlier, and whatever team got him is just really lucky to get him. I mean, Ryan, one guy that I think is going to have a great NBA career, even though he wasn't even picked until pick 27, has to be Nikola Jovic. I mean, not just because this guy has almost the exact same name as the MVP, but Ryan, I've seen this guy play, and he is a great player personally. I know that last week we were talking about maybe he might go top five, maybe he might go second round, but Ryan, I do think he's going to be closer to that top 10 player in this draft. Personally, I would have taken him maybe around 9 or 10 this draft, but you see here, fell all the way down to 27 to the Heat, who are the number one seed in the East. Ryan, they are not going to miss with this pick. Also, Ryan, I mean, they really hit with that Tyler Hero pick. They got that Duncan Robinson pick down. They have great guys who weren't picked in the lottery, like Gabe Vincent and Max Schroes. Ryan, I think this team is going to be very happy with Nikola Jovic, and he is not going to be the best player coming out of this draft, but I definitely do not think he'll be the 27th best player coming out of this draft. Ryan, a little bit more back to the front end of the draft, but Ryan, another guy that I was just a little surprised how far he fell, and exactly what you were saying about how this team was a winner, Ryan was Mark Williams, center out of Duke. I mean, Ryan... When you look at this draft, you really saw only two pure centers, and that was Jalen Durant and Mark Williams. And Ryan, personally, and well, Ryan's telling me shot home green, but technically he prefers to play power forward. I don't know why, even though he's a 7 for, but that's what he wanted. Um, 
uh, his analysis sheet. So, Ryan, with that, you have two centers, and I felt Williams was the top center. Now, obviously, it doesn't really, it's positionless basketball, as we always talk about today, where you could have five centers on a team, and because one is an insurer, he gets to play point guard. But, Ryan, just the fact that the best center in the draft fell to 15. Nobody wants this big man at this high in the draft, and I just think that was a huge mistake. I don't think he's going to be a top five player, maybe not even a top ten player. I just thought that someone would want to take a chance on this guy. Someone would see the height and be interested, but I guess we'll have to see if that changes. Ryan, tell me a team or two that should be very disappointed with the draft, that should be go out kicking themselves, saying, man, what did we do? Why didn't we try to make a move or pick this guy earlier? Ryan, just tell me that team. Yeah, Andrew, I mean, it's kind of tough, but I mean, when you just look at the Sacramento Kings team, it just feels like they just need to lock down guys that are going to be role players. And I don't even mean a role player, like a role player off the bench, like a Bryn Forbes or, I don't know, like a TJ McConnell guy. Like, those guys are real definition of role players. I mean a role player where if they're a rebounder, they're going to be a JaVale McGee, where they're not going to dominate scoring, but they're going to do some scoring, and they're going to do their job which helps you win. And some teams, they need that. Like a lot of these playoff teams, they weren't looking for guys that average 20 points per game and two rebounds and one assist. They're looking for guys that are really going to help the team win. And I feel like what the Kings need right now, even though they had an absolutely disgraceful season last year, ending up with the fourth overall pick, they don't really need another score. De'Aaron Fox, in my opinion, is already one of the top scorers in the game. Same with Demonte Sabonis. So I don't really feel like they need another score. And that's exactly what they added in Keegan Murray. Now, I'm not saying he's a bad player at all. Keegan Murray is an, a phenomenal player who I definitely think should have gone very, very high in this draft. It just feels like it's not a great fit and it wasn't a great pick. Personally for them, I would have loved if they took possibly someone like Benedict Matherson, who was much better at taking quality shots over quantity shots, which is not really Keegan Murray's specialty. Andrew, all in all, this draft will be looked at for a long time, as we know. Again, people still talk about guys from every single year's draft. And, oh, they took this guy too early. Oh, they took this guy too late. They took this guy over this guy. What in the world is going on? Andrew, I guarantee we'll look back at this lap, at this draft and have a good laugh after Chad Holmgren either becomes one of the greatest players ever and I'll look like an idiot, or if he busts and I was right and I will have a great laugh at his expense. Andrew, Anything else you'd like to say about this NBA draft? I mean, just one more question I have for you. Right now, some people are talking about which guy on this team do you think is going to win or just have the most success, whether it's MVPs, finals, all-star games, defensive, all-NBA selections, all-NBA defensive selections. Andrew, which guy in this entire draft do you think will have the most entire success in their entire NBA career? I mean, man. I kind of hate to say this because I know a little bit earlier we were kind of bashing him for Ryan Paolo Boncaro. I mean, you just look at this guy and you see the exact perfect play. I mean, you see a slightly oversized guy and then you see a small four power forward. Ryan, let's take a look at some of the best players in the game today. We got Kevin Durant, small four power forward. LeBron James, technically small four power forward. We got Giannis Antetokounmpo, Jason Tatum. Even Andrew Wiggins, who was almost the finals MVP. Ryan, that is the best type of player. Ryan, let's look at Jabari Smith. Let's look at Chad Holmgren. Let's look at Keegan Murray. Ryan, these guys are power forward centers. Now, don't get me wrong. I love a good big man. I love a tall guy who's going to get you a bunch of rebounds. But Ryan, 
besides the two pure centers at Nikola Jokic and Joel Embiid. Ryan, I don't care about anyone else. Yeah, Carlton Towns is good. Yeah, Bam Adebayo is good. Yeah, Rudy Gobert is good. But Ryan, even let's look at power forward. Ryan, Draymond Green, Pascal Siakam, two of the best power forwards, and they're not even top 20 players in my opinion in the NBA. Ryan, the league is run by pure centers in small forward power forwards. There is no room for power forward centers in the NBA right now. They're just not the best players. They're just not the build that helps you win the championships. I'm looking at Paolo Boncaro to not be one of the best players of all time, but Ryan, even in some not-so-hot drafts, Ryan, there are still great talents around. And, I mean, you said who is going to be the top player. I'd say Boncaro, but Ryan, I would say there's going to be at least four or five guys who are going to become all-stars in this draft. Ryan, I just want to share one thing, and I want to hear yours. Your favorite pick in the entire draft. Let's just say the first round, or let's just say the whole draft, because obviously it's a big draft, 60 whole picks, and there's got to be one team that is just flying out of, that is just so, so happy right now. They're just saying, how do we get this guy? Cannot believe it. And Ryan, one team that I think right now has to be very, very, very happy has to be the New Orleans Pelicans. I mean, Ryan, in the second round, with pick 41 overall, they took EJ Liddell. Now, you might be saying, wait, wasn't that the guy you wanted him was to take in the first round? Ryan, the exact same guy. He fell all the way to pick 41, finally being taken by the New Orleans Pelicans. And Ryan, I think this is a phenomenal pick because, in my opinion, in the NBA draft, after you get past the first round, it's all about, as you were saying, trying to find a decent role player. And now, now we're not talking about the Darren Foxes, the CJ McCollum's, the, I don't know, D'Angelo Russell type role players. Now we are talking about the Doug McDermott, TJ McConnell type of role players. Guys who you think if they can make any impact at all, let's go get him. We're not looking anymore for the sixth man. We're not even looking for the tenth man. We're looking for the guy who's going to make the roster, who's going to improve the team. Even if it's 0.1%, the guy who can improve the team. And Ryan, in my opinion, when you're in the second round, if there's any guy that's falling on the first round, go grab him. Because what's the worst that could happen? You're taking a bust like all 29 of the other teams. But what could also happen? You just got a first round pick 20 picks later. You just stole this guy from every other team that was saying, eh, you know what, we'll let someone else take a chance. Eh, you know what, let's take someone else take a chance. Ryan, at this point, it's not even a chance. It's an opportunity. It is a chance for the New Orleans Falcons to get a goal, to get a great, great player. And you know what? If it doesn't work out, so what? You wasted, what, a second-round pick, something that's just being thrown around these days. Teams literally get second-round picks for doing nothing now. Ryan. I love when teams take a chance on the second rounder. And actually, I'm going to change my question to you. What, Looking at the second round, who do you think was a great steal? A guy who you think could actually be a decent NBA player who you are excited for in this league. Yeah, Andrew, one guy, I mean, just has to be Jalen Hardy, who I believe is headed to the Dallas Mavericks after their trade goes through, who was technically drafted by the Kings, but then traded to Dallas. Andrew, I just feel like Jalen Hardy just dominated the G League. And again, this is where you talk about making an impact. He made an impact because, and what I love about these G League teams is that a lot of times when they have such good players, a lot of guys 
their stats aren't going to look that good. That's why you actually got to watch the tape. You actually got to watch the analysts and see what they're saying. And this guy, the word on him is that he makes the team better. Whether he's scoring, whether he's assisting, whether he's barely even playing, he makes the team better and he helps them win games. And as Andrew was just referring to, that is what wins. Andrew, one really late pick just has to be um, Isaiah Mobley, who is Cavalier Center's Evan Mobley's um, brother from USC. Andrew, again, just an interesting guy to watch there. And again, a couple undrafted guys, not even really to watch, just as a joke, but just Scottie Pippen's son and Shaquille O'Neal's son. Both are headed to Los Angeles Summer League to see if they can do anything there. Again, 99% a joke. Just for those of you who don't know, obviously, Shaquille O'Neal and Scottie Pippen, two of the greatest basketball players of all time in the NBA, and both of their sons are headed to the draft. Scottie Pippen's son is actually a pretty solid player. He played solidly for Vanderbilt as a forward, and he had a couple of decent seasons there, and actually has a shot to make an NBA roster. But Sha- uh, Shaquille O'Neal's son... Uh, Sharif O'Neal, I believe he averaged three points per game and two rebounds per game, and he's tall. Basically, he's tall as Shaq, but weighs about half of his size, so really, really no chance at all that he's going to make the roster 90% for publicity, and also just basically as a joke, just to be funny. Andrew, this NBA draft is crazy. Next week, we will talk about it again, and hopefully the NBA will continue to look back at this draft. But Andrew, let's move on to the MLB. Be Andrew right now. It's so crazy because I feel like we're at that weird point in the season now where we're actually realizing what some guys are doing. Where earlier in the season, you see some guys where their stats are crazy high. Their batting average is 700. Their ERA is zero. And you're thinking, come on, they're going to lose it. But Andrew, I just want to look at some guys right now. Andrew, and I promise you listeners that Andrew has no idea who it is right now. Andrew, I want you to guess kind of like Family Feud, who the top five leaders in the M- in the MLB are in ERA. Andrew, what do you think is one guy who's in the top five right now for MLB ERA leaders currently at this time right now? Andrew, who do you think is one guy that's in the top five right now in the MLB for ERA? Nestor Cortez. Andrew, Nestor Cortez is currently not in the top five. Any other guesses? Uh, Garrett Cole. Garrett Cole is not in the top five. Uh, Walker Bueller. Walker Bueller's not in the top five. I don't know. Andrew, the reason why you don't know is because so many of these guys are completely unheard of. Andrew, just letting you know, not a single one of those guys you guessed is even in the top 10. Ghost's guys, Nestor Cortez, is at number 11 overall with a 2.5 ERA. Andrew, that's right. The number five ERA in the league belongs to Alex Manoa. No, not Noah. Alex Manoa who has a 2.05 ERA in 14 games pitched, which is absolutely unbelievable. Fourth place is Martin Perez with a 1.96 ERA, also with 14 games pitched. Third place is Sandy Alcantara with a 1.95 ERA. Second place is Shane McLanahan from the Rays with a 1.77 ERA. That would definitely be good enough for Cy Young. And first place, Andrew, any guesses? No guesses? First place is Tony Gonsolin from the Dodgers with a 1.58 ERA. Just unbelievable. The ERA 
of these guys right now. And Andrew, the reason why I brought those up, and for baseball fans, you might say, yeah, I don't know who those guys are, but I don't know a lot of baseball players. But just so you know, these guys are not famous at all. I mean, Shane McManahan, he's not normally been a great pitcher. Sandy Alcantara is a decent up-and-comer, but not that great of a pitcher. Martin Perez is almost a decade past his prime. Alex Manoa is in his second season and basically unheard of. And Tony Gonsolin, this guy's been around the pros for a couple years, just hanging around, never even really cracked the Dodgers rotation, and now leading the entire league in earned run average for pitchers. Andrew, the question in my mind is of all those five guys, which one of them do you think has the best chance to end the season with a sub two ERA? Andrew, we, in my opinion, I think it's going to be tough for all these guys to sustain this with the season not even half over. But Andrew, do you think any of these guys can sustain a sub two ERA at the end of the season? Ryan, I got to say no. I mean, that's just such a tough feat. It's so, so, so challenging to do that. And I mean, you might say, oh, but he's one of the best pitchers of the generation, which none of these guys are. But if you were to say that, but Ryan, just one or two bad starts, just one or two balls, throwing way too close to the strike zone with a couple guys on base, which could be a walk, which would be a hit back, which could be even an air, let's say, to get him on base, which obviously wouldn't go to the ERA. But if they were, and then a couple more guys go around, let's say, fielder's choice or whatever. Ryan, there goes the ERA. There goes the 2.00 feet that you just asked me about. Ryan, I don't think anyone has a chance. But what I was expecting you to ask was, who do you think has the best chance? So I was thinking of my answer for that. Ryan, in answering that question I just made up, I feel like it has to be Alex Manella. I mean, with all these other guys, we know who they are. We've seen Martin Perez. We've seen Tony Gonson. We've seen that these guys are not ready. They're, I mean, no offense to them. They're all MLB pitchers, and they're all obviously having great seasons. Brian, they're not really guys who deserve to have this here. They're not guys who actually should have a 2.00 uh, ERA. But Ryan, I do think there is a possibility that Alex Manella could. I mean, we've just never seen him. I mean, last year, he was a good pitcher in his first season. This year, obviously, he's been really good. And maybe he's going to be a great pitcher. Maybe he's going to be possibly one, one of the best in a decade. I don't know. But we'll have to see what happens with him because we just don't know enough about him. Ryan, turning over to the hitter side, you know, as you said last week, I feel like I just keep on repeating myself, and Ryan, it's going to happen again. Ryan, Aaron, Judge, I mean, you just cannot stop talking about this guy. I mean, right now, you were asking me yesterday, you said Andrew Byron Buxton is doing great in home runs. But Aaron Judge is doing so much better. Ryan, you said Buxton is like one behind fourth, two behind third, three behind second, and then you said guess how many he is behind Judge. Ryan said if he's three behind second, then he's probably, what, four behind Judge? Five? Six? Seven? Ryan, tell me how many home runs Aaron Judge has. Just not even to Byron Buxton, but to the number two home run hitter in the league, which is Mike Trout. Currently, Aaron Judge. Okay, so let me just tell you. Right now, between Mike Trout, who is in second place, and 17th place, which currently is Jose Ramirez, there is a gap of six home runs, which is the exact same as first to second place. Aaron Judge leads Mike Trout by six home runs right now, which is the same as Mike Trout's lead over 17th place. 
So there is the same difference between 15 guys than between the one and two players. That just goes to show you how much more dominant Aaron Judge is. I mean, when you look at guys between 22 home runs to, let's just say, 22 to 13 home runs. So whatever, like 10 to 9 difference or whatever. There are 30 guys between those nine numbers. Between 22 to 30, there's one guy, Aaron Judge. Just He is just in an absolute league of his own right now. I mean, just full-on dominance right now. And again, we look at a guy like Byron Buxton, who is really struggling with the average right now. He is currently hitting at 238. We look at another guy, Christian Walker in sixth place, hitting 206. Anthony Rizzo also tied for sixth place, hitting 220. Schwarber in fifth place, hitting 219. We look at some other guys like there. Jordan Alvarez only has eight doubles. But then we look at Aaron Judge hitting 294. When we look at the best batting averages in the entire MLB, He's not right at the top because then he wouldn't be at the top of home runs, but he currently is ranked 24th place overall. Number one in home runs, number 24 in batting average. Just dominating, number four overall in runs batted in, top 30 in hits right now, and just some very high in the league in runs scored right now. He is just dominating the league right now, and that is easily the reason for the Yankees' success. Speaking of the Yankees' success, and the Yankees still currently hold the best record in the MLB at 53-20, and 20, winning 72% of their games, but they have slightly started to skid as they're 6-4 and four in their last 10 games. As Andrew and I have talked about, every team, every year before the All-Star break is, oh my god, it's going to be the best season ever. Oh my god, they're winning 85% of the games. But then, as you said before, just a couple bad games. As you said, as Andrew was saying, you just leave one pitch, just a little bit too bad of an area, and it's gone. It's not even in a bad area. You look at guys, they're hitting home runs for pitches that are way over their head. How can you not let a guy get a home run if it's way over his head? If you give up a home run, then you could lose the game. And that's what is sometimes happening, and it's obviously going to happen at some point to the Yankees, which it started to a little bit. Again, still not going, still definitely not a terrible season, but... No way, they're going to break the all-time record for best winning percentage in an entire season. Andrew, one team that right now we just have to look at that is just absolutely surging at this time. I mean, we didn't know if they'd be in this race, but now they definitely are. Andrew has to be these Milwaukee Brewers. I mean, they've won seven out of their last 10 games to just pull within just a couple of games behind the Brewers right now and just also a couple games behind the Mets right now for the best record in the National League. Andrew currently winning 56% of their games. They have just been flat out dominant over the last couple of weeks. This Brewers team behind the amazing pitching of Corbin Burns and also with the bullpen of Josh Hader, who is top of the league in saves at the moment. Just dominant. The entire team has been phenomenal the entire season. Andrew, just some other teams in the MLB that we can see right now that are really having a rough season. Andrew, one team has to be the Philadelphia Phillies. I mean, again, this team has been up and down for a lot of years. I mean, Aaron Noah has been a great starter. Reese Hoskins has really lighted up that lineup. Bryce Harper, always in that MVP conversation. JT Ramuto, definitely the best hitting catcher in the entire MLB. But it just feels like the pitchers 
never really come together. The bullpen has been a huge issue the entire year and basically for the last decade. Currently winning 52% of their games right now. Currently sit third place in the National League, um, in the National League East Division. But, Andrew, it feels a little worse than that just because even in their own division, they they would barely make the wildcard game. But, obviously, there's other divisions as well. So, right now, I believe they are in fifth place for the wildcard games, which means they have a lot of ground to make up this season. Andrew, when we look at the pitchers right now in the MLB, not even looking at the guys that are in the ERA conversation, but, I mean, when we look at some of the guys right now with win totals, I mean, what pitchers right now do you feel like are really giving their teams the edge right now and just really leading their teams to a lot of victories, whether it's in the win comp or just quality starts comp or in the ERA comp? Andrew, what pitchers do you think are just really leading their team to success? I mean, Ryan, you talk about how Aaron Judge is just an amazing player, how he is just carrying his team, how he has been the best player in the MLB. Brian, the Yankees pitching also must be talked about. I mean, you have James Tyline who's having an amazing season. And then before, you were talking about Nestor Cortez, who has that insane ERA. And that Garrett Cole, I mean, he's not having his best season, but he still has six wins, which is great for him. Ryan, when we talk about the guy with the most wins, it is a three-way tie first between Justin Verlander, started for the Houston Astros, Tony Gonsolin, who has the best ERA in the league, and Alex Manoa, who has a top five ERA in the league. Ryan, those three guys are just giving it their all this season, and I cannot wait to see how much more they help their team because, I mean, it all starts with pitching. I mean, you can score as many runs as you want, but if your pitchers are doing bad or you're immediately giving it to the bullpen, Ryan, it's not going to be good because you got to have good pitching. So it's very important to give your starters a win to get the team the win to get your team to the playoffs. Ryan, anything more you want to add about the MLB before we move on to the WNBA? Nope, just Andrew. Right now, a lot of teams in the MLB have played a lot of their games so far. If we remember that the, that the season has about 162 games right now, most teams are just about that 75 mark, which means the games played is just nearing the halfway point. But again, if we remember, the all-star break is in a couple of weeks. You remember, that's around the 90 to 100 game mark for most teams. But Andrew, one thing that we have to watch is MLB all-star voting. Again, fans are able to vote, as we know from other sports as well. Fans can vote if you like to vote, which I strongly recommend voting for Twins players and only Twins players. Then you can go online to vote for the MLB All-Star Game. I believe you can vote up to five times a day. If you would like to vote for your team's greatest players, as long as they're on the Twins, that's fine. Or whoever you think deserves it in the National League as well. Again, this is a great way for guys to get to the playoffs. Just something funny that I've seen is that Fernando Tatis, who has not single, played a single MLB game this year, is one of the highest All-Star voters in the MLB right now. So vote for him. It's pretty funny. But Andrew, let's move on to the NFL. Andrew, again, we are in the offseason right now with not much to talk about right now. But Andrew, just looking at another conference has to be the the um the NFC East or as most people call them the NFC least because they suck at everything and they're an awful division. And right now this division has the Philadelphia Eagles who their franchise is pretty much looking up the Giants who are awful, Washington or the Washington Commanders who are absolutely dreadful, and then the Dallas Cowboys, who are laughably terrible. Andrew, when we look at all the four teams in this division, what do you think is going to happen this year, and what are you really watching for in this division? Like, what are some of the larger storylines that you're watching for in this 
awful, just dreadful division. I mean, Ryan, when people look at this division, they first see the Cowboys. But Ryan, what people keep on saying is, oh, it's between the Eagles and the Cowboys. Not they got A.J. Brown. They're going to be a very, very good team. Watch out for this Eagles team. I really like them this year. Ryan, I hate this Eagles team for this year. Last year, they were not a good football team. I mean, A.J. Brown, he's a great, he's a great wide receiver. There's another way to put it. But, Ryan, because you add one wide receiver, to me, almost means nothing. I mean, people are saying, even though the Packers are losing Devontae Adams, they might only lose one or two wins. Ryan, A.J. Brown is not Devontae Adams. And even with him, I'd say they, in, let's say they went two more games. Ryan, they still would be worse than the Cowboys. And, yes, the Cowboys did lose Amari Cooper to the Browns. Brian, CeeDee Lamb is getting better. Zeke is not going to have the worst season in his career like he did last year. Jerron Diggs is definitely not going to be as good as he was last year, but he's still a good corner. And Micah Parsons might take over as the top linebacker in the league, possibly being the defensive of defensive player of the year conversation, but we'll have to see about that with him. Ryan, the Cowboys, this is a one-team division, a one-man horse. This is only the Cowboys. No other team stands a chance. The, the Giants are horrible Saquon Barkley's a good running back but Daniel Jones is incompetent the commanders I do like their future I think that Terry McLaurin and Antonio Gibson are two good offensive pieces but they have to get a good quarterback and not someone named Carson Wentz and not someone who gets injured five times a year so we'll have to see about that Ryan moving on to the WNBA as you kind of said still early in the season most teams have only played about 18 or 19 games, and I believe their season is somewhere mid-30s to 40, 40 games, you're telling me, Ryan. But there are some dominant teams. The Aces are the best team right now at 13-4. They are doing great this season. They are coming off a loss against the Mystics and another loss against the Sky, but they did beat the Lynx by a point with a great win there. But, Ryan... I mean, we just have to talk about the Lynx. Ryan, right now, we are tied for the worst team in the WNBA. 5-14, and 14, tied with the Fever. Ryan, let's look at some of our players and our statistics. Ryan, I mean, when you really look at us, you can't be that upset that we're the worst team. I mean, our best player is injured, who's leading us in points and rebounds and blocks our center, Sylvia Fowles. And Ryan, at this point, she's just counting down the minutes until she can retire, counting down the games until she doesn't have to watch courtside. It can watch from her own TV. Ryan, Kayla McBride is a light at the end of the tunnel, who is a young guard, who I'm very excited to see how she turns out, averaging 14.6 points a game. We also have Maria Jefferson and Ariel Powers, who are averaging double-digit points and who look very good this season, both averaging over three assists and two rebounds a game. Ryan, I'm a little disappointed with this team, and just just seems like we can't get wins. I mean, it seems like we're not losing by, like, 20, but also not winning at all. Just, I mean, not that we have to be the best team. I mean, no sports team has to, but just, you know, when you're dead last, you know, you kind of get upset. But hopefully we'll be able to turn it around. Turn it around. Ryan, obviously, we're not the biggest fans, but the NHL Stanley Cup has been given at the playoffs are over. The Avalanche defeated the Lightning four games to two in that series. They are your Stanley Cup champions. Ryan, I know you don't always understand a lot, but Ryan, Nathan McKinnon gets that trophy for that franchise who wins, who wins their third Stanley Cup championship. 
congratulations to the Lightning for making it this far, but the Avalanche are the champions. We'll see next year. A lot of teams are hungry to take it back from them, but we'll see if they can defend it. Ron, let's move on to some more Minnesota sports teams. Ron, the Twins have been okay over this past week. I think we might have gone maybe three and four or four and three or something like that. We played the Guardians in the series, and then we also played the Rockies. Ryan, we are doing okay. I believe we are still first place in the division, but Ryan, it is by nothing. Ryan, we are two games ahead of the Guardians, which is actually impressive because I thought we were tied with them or even in second place at this moment, but we're doing okay. I still would really like to increase that late because as you said, once you get to the dog days of summer, anything can happen. Teams go on really long losing streaks and really long winning streaks because you just never know what's going on. But Ryan, that is why I have to build up the lead. So even if a streak does occur, we will be okay. Still in first place. And Ryan, at this point, I haven't really thought about it, but trying to get into the second best team in the second place, first place team in the American League behind the Yankees. But Ryan, at this point, just trying to keep the division lead is the goal. Ryan, the Twins pitching coach, Wes Johnson, decided to resign and join the LSU college baseball team as their pitching coach. Not really sure why he's in the exact same position at a lower level. Kind of weird, but whatever. So he is gone. Hopefully the Twins pitching does not struggle as it has been pretty good this year and a big reason why we're in first place, but we'll have to see about that. Ryan, with the Minnesota Timberwolves, after our draft, we got three players out of the draft as we made multiple trades. We got Walker Kessler, center out of Auburn. This was so it's a fine pick. We we're also considering between um, EJ Liddell and Ty Ty Washington, this pick, who both fell very far, especially Liddell, who fell like 30 more picks, but who I still think was a huge steal and we should have taken, but whatever. And then we also took Wendell Moore Jr., who is a great power forward out of Duke, who is a good shooter, who would join the team was probably as the ninth or 10th man off the bench. But another great player who we took at the end of the first round. Ryan, a second round player who came in the, in a trade with the Charlotte Hornets. Josh Minot is a very athletic power forward that seems a little bit like Jose Alvarado, shooting guard from the uh, New Orleans Pelicans, who is just very athletic, has a lot of energy, and just does everything he can to help win. Ryan, how would you grade this Tim Wolves draft? Let's say out of 10. Personally, Andrew, I'd give it a 7. Personally, I think... I don't know. The trades were very good, which was not a shock, but the picks were less than good. I mean, Andrew, as you talked about before, we started out with the 19th pick in the first round, and we traded away perfectly fine. As we talked about before, there was a lot of guys that we thought would be open, and there are a lot of guys that were open that when we traded for the 22nd and the 29th pick, it felt like they had to be there. And you're right, they were there, but we didn't draft them there. At 22, we drafted Walker Kessler. Again, this is a very solid role player, as we talked about. One of the best blockers, rebounders, defender in the entire draft, which is what we love to see. Only problem is that he might have been the worst offensive player in the entire draft. And every single guy who got drafted, he had the worst free throw shooting, free throw percentage, shooting percentage, and three-point percentage, which is obviously awful. And we drafted this guy in the first round. But... Hey, he's one of the best defenders in the draft, and he's a great big man, which is basically all we need right now, just a big body to throw in there and get beat up. 
Another thing about this draft, we traded that 29th pick to get Wendell Moore out of Duke. Personally, I like this pick a lot. As you said before, he seems like he's going to be a very solid forward for us. And again, just throw him in that mix of guys like Jane McDaniels and Jared Vanderbilt. And hopefully they sort it out. And again, what the hope, in my opinion, is that they all try to step up their game to outshine the rest. Don't get me wrong. I don't want any fights or anything. But I, I kind of hope that the guys realize None of them have a role really on this team. And we are going to be able to draft guys like this. And again, a lot of people thought we should take EJ Waddell. And I would have because I thought, I think he's better than Wendell Moore. And I think that he definitely had a chance to outshine guys like Jane McDaniels and Jared Vanderbilt. But I just hope now that adding Wendell Moore into that locker room and making them realize that their spot is not secure of having 20 minutes per game. And if I'm tomorrow's coach right now, I feel like you have to make that very, very clear to them that they need to improve a lot if they want to make the starting rotation. This is not the team from a couple of years ago where if you're 22 and have a pulse, you'll get a starting, uh, you'll get a you'll get a starting spot just because we need young guys to try out. No, this team is trying to win right now, and we need guys that are going to help us win and not just have potential, but not use a single bit of potential. Andrew, we'll have to see if these Timberwolves draft picks work out. But right now, we are talking a little bit about this, but game one for this season, what do you think our starting lineup should be point guard through center? Andrew, starting lineup. I mean, Ryan, you told me this is a horrible idea and that there's no way this would work. But Ryan, I think that our starting lineup should should go something like this. Point guard, Patrick Beverly, just an insanely athletic guy, amazing on defense. And I think that if he's still around after the soft season, he should definitely be our day one point guard. The shooting guard, while there's been a lot of trade rumors, and that would be completely fine if he got traded. But at this point in time, I do think if he's still on the team, he is definitely our shooting guard. D'Angelo Russell, just an assassin from deep. Guy with eyes in the back of his head, always finding the open guy, the cutter, the open three-point shooter, the lob. Ryan, this guy's great. That is our one and the two, the three. Ryan, the number one pick, one of the most athletic players in the NBA, Anthony Edwards. Love this guy. Such an insanely good player. Cannot wait for this guy's third season. I think this year he might finally take the huge growth into a definite NBA all-star, possibly all-NBA first team, second team, or third team. That, in my opinion, is the goal. But we'll have to see what he can do. And number four, Ryan, you told me it won't work, but I would love to at least try it for a week or two, putting Carl Anthony Towns as the power forward. I mean, just a monster inside. Top three center, hopefully also top three in power forward. Maybe even number one power forward, as I was ranting how there are no good power forwards anymore. But Ryan, hopefully this guy is an amazing power forward and can just body guys at his smaller position and make sure to take advantage of his time there. And at center, Walker Kessler, first round pick, guy who is just a phenomenal shot blocker, definitely needs help offensively, but defensively is amazing. That being said, I do not think that will be our starting lineup. Ryan, our starting lineup will probably go something like this. Probably D'Angelo Russell, Anthony Edwards, then probably like Jane McDaniels, Jared Vanderbilt, and Garnethy Towns. For some reason, the Timberwolves don't like to go that small and don't like to have Anthony Edwards playing small forward and don't like to have D'Angelo Russell going up to shooting out. Also, I do not think they would be happy with Cat playing power forward and also starting a rookie. For some reason, in every sport besides basically the NFL, teams hate rookies and always say, even 
even with Anthony Edwards, he could not get into the starting lineup early enough just because he was a rookie, and I think that was a huge mistake last season, and I think might have cost us some wins early, but this season, hopefully, our rookies make a big impact because, as we know, rookies are the league. Now, obviously, you can say, oh, he's not that good. He's only a rookie. Brian, the best players are the best ones getting drafted, and you might say, oh, well, it's fine. You got to give the old players time. No, you got to get the new guys acclimated. You got to make sure that they are ready to have a great NBA career. Because remember, they are the future. They are the guys who people are going to love, who are going to watch. Ron, I know we are both very excited for the Timberwolves this season. Tell me, do you think this was the great draft? Or you think we definitely left some stuff out on the table? And now the draft is over. Free agent targets? Trade targets? Yeah, Andrew, I mean, as you said, I think we did a solid job in this draft. We added two very solid contributors, and as we talked about before, goals into this draft. We needed a solid forward defender, which we got, and Wendell Moore, and we also needed a shooter, which he also brings, and we needed a big guy who all we need him to do is guard the rim and rebound the basketball, and that is exactly what Walker Kessler does. Again, it's basically just like we did the bare minimum. We, we definitely did it. We just basically did just the bare minimum, which I'm okay with because, again, we had picks in the 20s. There's not really that much you can ask for a team to do. It's like the Bucks in the draft. They really don't care who they get. They'll just grab some guy that they'll trade for a veteran in a couple of years, and that's fine as much for us as well. Now, Andrew, when you ask about free agent targets, personally, I think we got to be looking at point guard. As you said before, D'Angelo Russell, definitely a trade target or a trade bait to give away. And that is why I completely agree that we definitely need to add a point guard at some point, just because Patrick Beverly is a very solid point guard. But again, he is at his best when he has no fear of getting kicked out of the game. As we remember in that Clippers game, he baited Marcus Morris into a technical foul, which hurt them a lot more than us. But again, when we lost Patrick Beverly that game, we didn't really have anyone to go in for him, even though they didn't either. But if we would have had a decent guy there, then it would have helped us as well. Whatever. But we just need to continue to add to our depth, especially at the small guy position. It feels like we have so much uncertainty of the guards. I mean, Patrick Beverly, D'Angelo Russell, Jalen Noel, and Jordan McLaughlin, in my opinion, are all some of very solid players and often can be huge contributors, obviously, in their own way. But it just feels like a lot of games Patrick Beverly gets into foul trouble or gets ejected. And D'Angelo Russell, a lot of time, has awful shooting games. Jalen Noel oftentimes cannot hit a shot. Jordan McLaughlin is not really an NBA player. There, we a lot of times games, it happens just like that. That's really not a stretch at all. Now, Patrick Beverly stays in most games, and Andrew Russell often almost always has a poor shooting game. But we don't really need a point guard to replace them. But again, just a depth piece there, maybe to give them a rest if they're tired or just to get them checked out if they're having any problems. Andrew Again, I think for agency targets, we don't really need to keep looking at big man Walker Kessler. Basically fills that. But again, just see, look around, see if we can make any steals for D'Angelo Russell. Again, trading for a guy like a borderline all-star packaging together. Trade package such as Jalen Noel, Jake Lehman, and Nas Reed. If we could throw that together for a guy like, oh, I don't know, DeShante Murray or so. I would love to get a guy like him. Just an amazing distributor with the ball and off the ball. Great defender. He would be one of my top candidates this offseason as well. But again, we don't really need a ton. Again, we made the playoffs last year. This team should improve. As Andrew said, Anthony Edwards definitely projected to take another huge leap. Again, up to the rim. Ha ha, pun. But he should be 
a great player this year and have an amazing season. Andrew basically wraps up our Minnesota sports teams, but let us move on to our birthday of the day. Andrew, who is today's birthday of the day? Ryan, today the birthday of the day is Monte Morris, point guard for the Denver Nuggets. Now, Ryan, usually when you think of point guard, you think, oh, yeah, he's going to dish out the ball. And, Ryan, yeah, Monte Morris averages a decent amount of assists. But, Ryan, funny story is with the Denver Nuggets is once they were having a pretty decent season and, you know, people were kind of noticing Nikola Jokic, they started to ask all the Nuggets players, how is it playing next to such a dominant guy? who just does such an interesting thing. I mean, people really haven't seen a center puts up triple-doubles and those passes over his head and those baseball passes all around the court. And he said, you just always got to be ready. You know, I'll be running down the court and I'll be trying to juke out my defender and then I just see the ball coming and it whizzes by my head and it's not even meant for me. Or, you know, I'll just be going up to the basket, getting ready for a lob. But you know what? He's got his eyes on someone in the corner who's wide open. So he's saying what he started to do later in the season is he would just run down the court staring at Jokic. He wouldn't even have the ball. The other point guard would have the ball. But he'd just be looking at Jokic, being ready, just in case he got that ball. He knew he was going to pass it to him because he always finds the open man. Just a great NBA center in Jokic and a great guy who's always ready. And Monte Morris, happy birthday. Hopefully your team can actually be decent this year with your real point guard and Jamal Murray. But hopefully you're still on the starting line. Happy birthday, Monte Morris. Ryan, this has been another great podcast about the NBA draft. The Stanley Cup playoffs are over a new line of NBA young players. Obviously, in the MLB, some great guys who have been just doing amazing. Ryan, we will see you for the last time next week on Twin Talk MN.